Welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Dr. Mark Thorne. Mark studies weed management and agricultural crops in Washington State. He is originally from Northeast Oregon and now works in the Department of Crop and Soil Sciences at Washington State University. His current focus areas are control of smooth scarring rush and rush skeleton weed in wheat fallow systems and seed shatter in Italian ryegrass, all serious problems within the cropping systems where they occur. Mark's goal is to find effective methods to manage these weeds and reduce their negative impact on the crops grown, grower inputs, and the environment. Hello, Mark. Hello, Drew. So we're going to talk uh, scouring rush today, a weed that uh, um, I wasn't very familiar with when I arrived here in the PNW in 2012. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about where smooth scouring rush is occurring in Washington State? Yes, and and this is you know, kind of a new weed for me in the past few years, but um, it is a native species to um, North America and Washington state. It primarily occurs in the central and eastern counties, but does occur in some of the western counties of the state. And primarily uh, in areas where there's some water that it can reach. It uh, It doesn't grow well in sand dunes or you know, dry, dry clay hilltops, but if it can find some moisture at some point down in the profile, it seems to persist quite readily. And, um, you know, it's one of several Equisetum species, I think, in, in the state, and yet it's, it's the only one that seems to be causing problems in, in wheat fields. Um, is that true or? Yes. Well, it, it there's several, right, you're right. There's several, there's the field horsetail, the Equisetum arvents, the, uh, and then there's another, um, and it looks more like a little Christmas tree or a bush, whereas the smooth scouring uh, rush is a straight up vertical stem. There's another closely related species, Equisetum um, hymeli, uh, scouring rush, is also a, a smooth uh, upright stem no very little branching but it tends to occur in in more wet areas than than the smooth scouring rush the equisetum lavigatum that we're working with in in crop systems there is some issues in areas with the field horsetail but um out in the areas where we're we're doing our work in the drier areas uh, in central and eastern washington we're finding that the smooth scouring rush seems to persist in particularly fields that have been in no-till farming or direct seed farming for the past, oh, say, 20 years. Okay. So, so what issues does smooth scouring rush present to uh, farmers? Well, it, it seems to be fairly persistent once it gets established. So the patch is always going to be there year after year in the same area and and will spread too the the one of the main problems that it can 
uh, inflict on on crops is that it it takes up space. It's it in in pulse crops like chickpeas or lentils, it can actually um, have a more serious yield reduction in say crops like winter wheat that are a bit more competitive. So there there can be a yield loss associated with with smooth scouring rush. But there are also, I've, I've talked to growers that have had thick patches of it and so dense that it essentially plugs up the sickle bar on their, on their combines. Um, another issue that, it, that can happen with it is that it um, can, it's a, you know, it, at the time of harvest, especially wheat harvest or any harvest, I guess, it will, it'll impart moisture and, and to the, to the crop. So it can raise the moisture content of the wheat being harvested it can also impart green, you know, coloring to the to the coats of chickpeas, which reduces their quality. Okay, so it impacts it in several different ways. Then, yeah. Okay, and what control strategies have you been looking at and found to be most effective, and how can these be used by farmers? Well, the research on control has gone back a number of decades prior to our work. Um, uh, Dr. Don Till at Idaho found that chlorosulfuron was an effective herbicide treatment on uh, on uh, on on the smooth scouring rush. Uh, chlorosulfuron is a group two um, herbicide, sulfonylurea, and the the problem with that herbicide here in the annual cropping area is that it has you know 36 to 48 month plant back period. Uh, for pulse crops, so it doesn't fit well into a diverse annual rotation. Um, it does fit well into any rotation that is primarily wheat, um, uh, either wheat, winter wheat or spring wheat with a fallow period. Um, and that can be applied during the fallow period as, as finesse, the product finesse, or it can be applied in the crop as the product finesse or the product glean, and that can be that can that can actually provide several years of reduction in stem density. The the, the one issue of applying it in the crop is that um, in winter wheat, the, the herbicide timing of application is usually prior to the stems emerging from the ground, so it may miss at that point. But another option that we've we've been looking into is the use of, of uh, a glyphosate product, RT3, um, at, a, at a higher labeled rate than, than, mo than is most frequently applied. We're, we're applying up to three quarts uh, of, the, of the material per acre on these patches and finding that we, if, in, if we include an organosilicone surfactant, uh, in our case, we started out with a product called Silwet L77, that we're actually getting uh, control into the next couple years. Uh, it's, it's been fairly consistent. We've had a couple um, times when it's not been as consistent as we had hoped, but it's actually um, much more effective than applying the RT3 just by itself or with some of the standard surfactants that have been uh, applied or added to these to this product in the past. And I think the other thing too is 
is in the you know in the in the fallow period when we're applying this, the stems are upright and green, and you know easily you know there's a lot of surface area to take up the herbicide. Okay, I was going to ask you when you were applying it, but in fallow, assume during the the summertime when when the plants are actively growing. That's correct, and um, we've applied anywhere from you know in the latter part of May when the stems are just getting up kind of at their, uh, you know, at their height that they usually are at anywhere from, oh, you know, 16 to 24 inches is the typical canopy height of, of, uh, of smooth scouring rush in these fields. And we've applied, you know, all the way through August. And, and you know, we've gotten fairly consistent results like i said there's been some applications that didn't work as well as others and and that's another you know question for research certainly okay so um both those uh herbicide products you mentioned glyphosate and chlorsulfuron have uh, some history of having uh resistance development in the weeds treated, is that a risk here with a smooth scouring rush that if we rely on just uh, chlorsulfuron uh, as either glean or finesse and glyphosate and whatever product we buy that we're, we're just going to uh, create a resistance issue down the road? So fortunately, this species um, reproduces and spreads primarily vegetatively. So there's less chance for um, uh, development of resistance through, you know, gene recombination. And uh, the, the the window for sexual reprodu reproduction in this species is quite narrow and limited to conditions that are, you know, cool, wet um, soil, muddy soil. And, and, that, and that, that situation doesn't really occur much in the cropping areas that we're dealing with. So uh, to make a long story short, it's really unlikely that unlike other species like Russian thistle, that we're going to see resistance to something like chlorosulfuron. Or, or even glyphosate. Or glyphosate, Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good news. So this, this species or these species, particularly smooth scouring rush, because that's the one we're talking about, has been around for a very long time. So it's a survivor. We're probably not going to be able to figure out how to eliminate. Are there any good things that come from smooth scouring rush? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question because it has been here. The species, the 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 Equisetum uh, genus has been around th roughly 350 million years back to the days of the dinosaurs, and and so it's had a role in the development of you know feeding dinosaurs, um, creating. Uh, carbon reserves that eventually turned into coal or or petroleum products these days. So there's you know there's there's that history. Um, there's a a different Equisetum genus that occurs in the Arctic, and they they've actually found that it cycles nutrients from deep in the soil because these species have the capability of of rooting very deep, and so it's actually been shown to pull. Um, elements like phosphorus from deep in the profile up to the surface. I don't know if that's occurring with smooth scouring rush in our cropping systems, but, um, you know, it's, it's certainly a possibility. And, and the other 
you know, potential use. This, this plant, um, the stems contain up to about 25% silica. So, you know, if you're looking for a natural scrubbing material that you can clean your, you know, your dirty pots with, um, I think this might be a good, good candidate. <laughs> and thus its name, right? That's why the pioneers uh, gave it the common name of scouring rush or smooth scouring rush. So. Correct. So um, research continues with um, on this weed and what kinds of things are you doing at this stage? Well, we're, we're combining the RT3 glyphosate with the finesse and we're finding actually um, uh, that's probably going to be a, a better uh, treatment as a combination than the, either the two um, products by themselves. We've we put out trials last year in near Dayton and and near Steptoe, and we've put out another trial this year up near Reardon, and finding similar results so far. Uh, the 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 downside of this research is we don't really know the full effect of the application until a year following treatment. So it's always we put it out and then hold our breath for another year, and then and then see what see what you know, what happens. Um, there's a lot of physiologic or physiology questions that could be asked with this species because there's, you know, it's, it's not a modern plant and it sometimes doesn't behave like modern plants when it comes to especially herbicide use. Okay. If people want to learn more about your research, is there someplace they can go to, to find out about that? Um, well, I think we've got some annual reports on the small grain uh, website for crop and soil science. Yep, I think that'd be a good place. So smallgrains.wsu.edu. And uh sounds like you'll have some more of those uh, in the next report that comes out, uh, usually what, in early January. Mark, thanks for coming on and sharing your, uh, your work on Smooth Scouring Rush with our listeners. I think it's a uh, a weed that there's actually quite a bit of interest in and a lot of people scratching their heads about how to go about controlling it. So thank you. Thank you, Drew. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications and the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.